And I think I said this last week. In fact, yeah, because I, I re-listened. I, you know, I listened to, my, I listened to myself teach. <laughs> I listened to myself teach last Wednesday. And, uh, and I did say this. I, I was talking about um, TV preachers, right? I said something about TV preachers. Was that Wednesday or Sunday? Anyway, I listened to myself. But anyway, uh, you know, how that when we hear something from uh, televangelists, different, different preachers, we don't understand that we're, sometimes we're hearing it from a perspective uh, that's very different than our own. And so we have to, we have to make sure that we understand that uh, some of these things that are going to work in our lives are going to work only in the measure in which we work them. And some people work these things in a greater measure than we do. And some people, they, it necessitates that for the, for the life that God called them to live and the ministry that God called them to do. Uh, we were talking about Catherine Coleman. You know, everyone would love to have uh, the anointing on their life like Catherine Coleman had. I mean, the, she'd check into a hotel and people would start getting healed uh, when she checked into her room. Uh, people would get slain in the spirit all over in the hallways, all over in the lobby. People didn't even know she was there. They'd fall out under the power of God and receive uh, manifestations of the spirit just from her being there. I told you all the testimony of the, <clears throat> on her way to uh, minister to some full gospel businessmen at a full gospel businessmen's meeting. She was, uh, she was brought through the back to, to go into the venue and they brought her through the kitchen of the of the hotel and the convention center. And as she walked by, there were these Cuban waiters that were standing there. And, and as she walked by to go into the meeting, uh, she walked by these Cuban waiters who had no idea who she was. And they begin to fall under the power of the spirit. I mean, they're standing there like this and they're falling over onto their trays under the power of God. The anointing of God was on her life in that measure. But here's what you have to understand about Catherine Coleman. Catherine Coleman had no life outside of Christ, period. I mean, she lived her life 100% fully devoted to the Lord. She didn't, you know, she didn't participate in the things of life that some of us, not, not, not just that some of us do. I'm not trying to make you feel condemned. Some of you, it's your responsibility and it's God's intention for you to be doing what you're doing right now. And so the kind of life that she led was the kind of life that she was led to by the Spirit. And because she followed the leading of the Spirit, there was this intense and greater measure of the anointing that manifested through her life that was extraordinary. And we all admire it. But I kind of, I, I likened it this way when I was talking to David. I said, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that dude, you know, his... I, I remember seeing him in, when he was young, you know, and Conan the Barbarian, and I mean, he's working out, and the dude, you know, he's just a massive, you know, mound of muscle, and even now, as he's getting older, he's still, you know, he said, but you know, me, I mean, do, no one's going to see, no one, I'm not, I'm not going to have millions of people buy a ticket to see my, you know, abs and my pecs and my biceps. I, only person go see me without a shirt is Pastor Annie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't even swim in the public pool without a shirt. And uh, uh, it has nothing to do with uh, I'm ashamed of my body. It's a modesty thing. I just don't like, you know, I just don't like that. So anyhow, um, you know, so uh, does, do, I, do I really need to put in that kind of effort, you know, for my physical body? 
I mean, I guess I could if that's what I wanted to devote myself to. But, you know, what is it, what is it going to, how's it going to benefit me? So there are, there are uh, um, you know, there are benefits and costs. And so as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, as we follow the Lord, we have to count the cost and we have to determine what it is that he's asking for from us. And then we have to manage our expectations. You know, we believe God for everything and we thank, you know, we believe him for the, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I'm believing him for the moon, the sun, the stars. I'm believing him for everything. And, but, you know, I'm grateful for everything. I'm not just, I'm not just, you know, uh, looking for the sun, the moon. If, if, if he gives me a rock, I'm thankful for the rock, you know, and uh, if he gives me a, uh, a loaf of bread, you know, I'm grateful for that. And whatever it is that he, whatever it is that he does, I'm grateful for. And that's what we need to learn how to do. But anyway, um, some people have, uh, you know, when we talk about faith, we talk about the faith of the Bible and the uh, faith, faith in the word of God, faith for healing, faith for miracles, a faith for a supernatural increase. Um, I imagine if some of you were able to control your environment like Brother Copeland and them, you could have the kind of wealth and the kind of prosperity that they have manifested in their lives. Because I think that then you could facilitate the mindset and the environment and the culture in your life necessary to produce that kind of result. <laughs> can, can God and does God do that? Yes, he does. Amen. Um, how are we going to believe, how are we going to believe God? Well, we're going to believe God for the, like I said, the moon, the stars, we're going to believe him big because that's what faith does. Faith, um, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't, that doesn't put anybody, because, because that's how we have to be. We, I'm not making sense what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm making it, um, <laughs> Just give me a second here. I'm going to try to. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. I think we get frustrated because we think it doesn't work for us like it works for everybody else. Isn't that right? Some some of you, the reason, part of the reason why you're put off with supernatural increase is because you're like. Brother Copeland said this, or, you know, you, you look at someone who exemplifies prosperity in the greatest, in the, in the highest order. I mean, they are the, they are the example, but what, what, what God had to bring them through and what, what they like, let's just take Brother Copeland, you know, um, literally they, they control everything in their environment, who they're with when they're with them, how much time they spend with them, what the conversation is. Um, they literally don't have to leave the environment that they've created to facilitate the faith that they have in God. And so instead of them going into an environment that is hostile every day against the word of God, against what they believe the word of God says, they've created an environment that facilitates what they believe God has said to them. And they only invite people in that environment that are willing to change their thoughts 
and their ideas to believe what it is that they believe. Isn't that crazy? And so, you know, when you can do that, but most of you, you have to leave that environment that you've created in your life to go into a place that's hostile against the environment that you're trying to create for you and for your family. You get that? And so, so when we hear people like Brother Copeland, now, am I saying Brother Copeland is off, off center? No. Listen, there's a reason why Brother Copeland is walking in the measure that he's walking in. Because God intended him to, to, to lift him up and use him as an example of what it is that, where it is that we as believers could live in abundance and in prosperity and in those, you know, in those ways of God. You know, God raises people up and he shows through them an example, sometimes an extreme example, to, to, to break our mindsets and to break those ideas that we have that are religious or carnal that keep us from stepping in uh, to the fullness of the blessing of God. And so, Brother Copeland, you know, God raised him up. God intended for him to do all those things that he's done. They've gone to the extreme. And so we see the benefits of, and the blessing of the Lord working in him. What gets bad is when we look at Brother Copeland and we look at some of these others and we feel like failures because it's not working that way in our lives. That's like hitting the gym once a week and being sad because you don't look like Arnold. Arnold works out two or three times a day. Every day. You know what I'm saying? Or, or however, however he's got it figured out. I know you have to have time to rest. Uh, you have to, you have to um, give your body time to recover. But I think the more you work out, the, the, the quicker that happens. And I reckon, I mean, I'm, I, I don't think I'm uh, out of line because I, I think I heard him in an interview recently that he said that that's just, that's his lifestyle. He is at the gym four or five hours a day. Four or five hours a day. So, so how much sense would it make for you to go to the gym once or twice a week for 30 or 40 minutes and expect to have that kind of physique. It's unrealistic, isn't it? Well, you know what? It's unrealistic for us to think that we failed at believing and trusting the Lord for supernatural increase because we don't have the same measure of blessing as the Copelands or, some, or somebody. And here's what you have to understand too, is that everybody... Uh, we all relate to God very differently. I mean, I relate to every single one of you. You know, there's not one relationship that I have with people in this church that's exactly the same. We all, I, I relate to everyone who's a part of this body, who's a part of this fellowship different, in, in some different way. And you know, you know think, think about this. You know what happens? Some people, they feel gypped or they feel ripped off because they, they, they'll see me and Nakia talking. They're like, I wish Pastor talked to me like he talks to Nakia. And you know what they end up doing? They end up missing out. They end up missing out on the kind of, you know, on the kind of relationship that we, you know, we, that me and them ought to cultivate with one another. Right. Come on now. You know, uh, Miss Rhonda and, and Gaby, boy, you know, they really, I wish I had a friend like Miss Rhonda. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to befriend Miss Rhonda. And then, you know, and then it not work out because Miss Rhonda, you know, she's already, you know, met her friend quota or her, you know what I'm saying? She's already, she's already pouring in. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You can only, you know, you can only do so much. 
And then some people, they get upset. Well, you know, I, I just don't have, and then they, they start talking like that. You know, a pastor said, if you wanted friend, friends, the Bible said, if you wanted friends, you're supposed to be friendly. And I tried to be friendly and I still couldn't, you know, I don't know that this doesn't, it doesn't work for me like it works for everybody else. Well, no, that's, that's the thing is that you gotta, you gotta work it out with God the way he needs for you to work it out. You need to get with him. And you know what? You can go as far as you want to go. Uh, you, you, really, it's, you can go as far as he'll take you. And he'll take you as far as you really want to go. He'll take you farther than you want to go. But, you know, there are times that he'll lead us in a direction that kind of leads us sometimes away from the things that we prefer. When I first, when I first started in ministry, I did a lot of ministry to the sick. And I, I know I've, I've already started. I know you don't know that. I'm just kind of laying a foundation here. I'm, I'm, I'm a preparing a, a, a launching place for what we're going to get into today. Because I want, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, my heart breaks for people that when they hear me talk about this, when they hear me talk about prosperity, when they hear me talk about supernatural increase, when they hear me talk about healing the sick, ministering healing to the sick or revival or the moving of the spirit. It saddens me when people leave here and they, they don't feel, you know, they, they um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we ought to always feel good about ourselves, but when you leave here feeling bad about where you're at in your life, not based on conviction or the Lord or the Holy Spirit dealing with you, but based on um, your uh, perception, your personal, uh, natural perceptions and your, and of what I would consider to be somewhat unrealistic expectations. Sometimes. So when, when the Lord was using, when I, Lord, when I first started ministry, Lord was using me to minister a lot to uh, the sick and ministering healing to the sick. And um, well, then he began to lead me in a different way. And the way that he started to lead me in ministry was um, away from ministering healing to sick people. Now I'm going to tell you something. Some people are like, well, can't you minister healing to the sick and do whatever else it is that the Lord wants you to do? Sometimes. I mean, can you do, can you do what you do in the military and, you know, work, uh, work full, full uh, work a full-time job at, uh, at the Amazon warehouse? Probably not. You know, there, there are some things that you, you know, that you have to, you know, that you have to adjust to facilitate what it is that you need to facilitate. So when the Lord begins to change, say he's, he begins to change your assignment, you know, Winner's Church, I am not evangelizing in the same way that I was 12 years ago because my schedule won't allow for that. When the Lord called me to be pastor of this church and he told me to do it and we started doing it, it necessitated me uh, taking my focus and my attention off of some things and devoting my attention to others. Now that was God. Even though the other things that I was doing was God. He was telling me now I need for you to concentrate on this. So you know what? I began to neglect some of those some of those things over here don't work the same as they used to work. They don't work in the same measure or with the same impact. 
like ministering healing to the sick. That, you know, every now and again, the Lord will have me minister healing to the sick, and we'll see a tremendous amount of, of uh, success in ministering healing to the sick, but not the success that Benny Hinn has, because that's his assignment. Now, will the Lord ever lead me back to that assignment of ministering healing? Maybe. And when he does, it'll be fruitful, and it'll be powerful, and it'll be... But I'm, I'm not... I'm not Ministry healing to the sick is not what's going to make me happy. Being obedient to the Lord is what's going to make me happy. Doing whatever it is that God has me doing at the time, that's what's going to make me happy. And so um, uh, ministering healing to the sick was definitely more spectacular. Listen, when you stick your fingers in deaf people's ears and when you pull your fingers out, they can hear that's spectacular. I mean, you, you talk about instant gratification. You walk away and you're like, Big Jesus. Amen. I mean, when someone has been blind their whole life and you slap your hands on them and when you take your hands off their eyes, they walk away seeing that is something to behold. If, if, if you, most of us have never seen anything quite like that. Now, I've, I mean, I've, I've, watched, I've watched God take in, well, you, you all know. So, it, it's, it, listen, you want to talk about getting jazzed. There's nothing that'll, there's nothing that will get you revved up like, like a creative miracle. But when the Lord starts telling you to go somewhere else, I mean, he's the, he's the one who does the miracles. All I do is lay hands. I lay hands. He recovers them. I'm not the recoverer. He's the recoverer. All I can do is be obedient and lay hands and he's the recoverer. So when he's, when he's calling me to something else and I'm, and I'm still trying to go and lay, lay hands and, he's, he's, and then in that moment in my life, he's not in the recovery business in that, for me in that moment in my life, then, you know, is what I'm doing really fruitful? You know what it's going to produce in me is frustration, doubt, unbelief. Because I'm trying to get God to work something that... I know he works because I've seen him work it. But at some seasons in our life, are y'all hearing what I'm saying here today? Oh, come on now. See? Man, I was 220 pounds. In 2009, I dropped from 330 pounds to 220 pounds. I lost that. You can tell I found it but, uh, back, but I, lo I lost that weight. That it was it was quite it was quite a a journey, but you know what? There were things that I was intentionally doing in order to do that. One of them wasn't doing what I did before I got here to church today, and that was eat a big old plate full of rice and and and, and shrimp and steak, and uh, I wasn't doing that. No. Five ounce, what was it, babe? Five ounces of meat, a handful of vegetables. The only sugar that I had was, was uh, consumed in fruit or something of that nature. And at one time, I was 500 calories a day to get the weight off. I was essentially starving myself. Gil, I had no energy. When you're on 500 calories a day, you don't even feel like getting up and going to the bathroom. And you don't have to go to the bathroom much because you ain't taking in much. And when it's all protein, you know what happens. Anyhow, or maybe you do, maybe you don't. 
I will say this, milk of magnesia is your friend. <laughs> get that old <laughs> get that old digestive system working. <laughs> but you can tell I'm not about that business right now. I'm not, but I have lost 10 pounds just recently, but I, I'm, not, I'm not in that business of trying to drop 50 pounds in a month. I'm, I'm, I'm not about that. Is there, is there anything wrong with that? No, you know, different, different times, different things. See, y'all get it. So when we're, now when we get in here and we're talking about supernatural increase, when we're t and what's supernatural increase? It's when, when you involved, when God, uh, it's supernatural provision of, of finance. You know, um, all of us have the ability to earn an income. Supernatural increase is money that can't be earned. It's God's blessing in, in our finances. There is nothing that we receive in the form of blessing from the Lord that we can earn. How many of you would agree with that? So any blessing that we receive from God is not earned. You can't earn healing. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, there is a blessing financially that comes from heaven that you're not going to earn. It comes in the same way healing or salvation or, you know, some other blessing from the Lord comes. So how do you, if you can't earn salvation, how do you get saved? You receive it. It's a gift. It's a gift. God has it. So, you know, God gave his son. God gave us salvation the way that we receive salvation is that we accept it. We receive it. We take it. We take it. You know what our mind tells us while we're taking salvation? You ain't saved. Look at you. You nasty thing. But you know what we do? By faith, we look at what the Word of God says, and we receive what the Word of God says. And as a result, we undergo a transformation. Amen. Amen. Healing. Uh, we might be feeling the effects of... Uh, of, of, uh, and the symptoms of, of uh, sickness in our body. Um, Ted has, a, has a, uh, a bum knee. I don't know how that feels. I think they told him it's bone on bone. I know that I knelt down on this knee on some, you know, uh, I don't know what happens to the padding in your knees when you start to, you know, get along. And I'm, I'm, claiming, I'm claiming that whole thing of, you know, Moses, and all, I'm wondering if I'm going to get some knee padding because I knelt down on this knee and um, all I did was kneel on it. I mean, it wasn't like I was getting crazy. I wasn't pulling a James Brown and falling to my knees. Um, I, just, I just knelt down to, to, in the hangar to pick something up. And I knelt on that knee and I felt like something was, you know, like maybe there was a tendon in there that was rolling around a little bit on there. And it was like a, a tinge, like a, a feeling of like electricity in there. And, and then, uh, oh, about four or five hours later, um, my knee didn't want to bend quite as good as it did. It's, it's not that it's painful as much as it is that it's tight. Yeah, yeah. Like there's some, some kind of swelling and a tendon in there. Well, you know what? Uh, you know, 10, 10, 15 years ago, that had been there for a day and, you know, no big deal. Now, if I, if I don't work my faith, that might want to stay there for a half a month. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> of course, I'm not claiming that. What I'm, what I'm saying is, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Amen. Okay. So you know what I do? I take and I receive what the Word of God says. 
I take it, I receive what the word of God says. And I apply it, I apply it to my situation. Now, you know what? I can't earn my healing. Some people are like, well, you know, you ought to fast about it. Why? To try to manipulate God to, to, to do it faster? It's already done. How am I going to get it done faster when it's already finished? <laughs> Amen. See, so you, you say, well, pastor, if it's already finished, why are you still in pain? Well, because uh, the, the manifestation of the physical healing isn't where my faith is. My faith is in what Jesus finished at the cross. Just like he forgave me of my sins, he healed me of all my diseases. Amen. Amen. What does the Bible say? He, uh, he, he forgave us of all of our iniquity. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 103, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Amen. Amen. You say, so you're not really healed, though, if you're dealing with the manifestation. No, see, the work that God did was a, a work in the spirit. Amen. You understand that, that um, the voice of the body is feeling. The voice of your soul is reasoning. The voice of your spirit is your subconscious. What does the Bible say about God? God is a? God is a? God is a? So when God speaks, see, some people think God speaks through natural circumstances. No, God has a mouth through which he speaks. When God speaks, he says. But see, when God says, we don't typically hear him with our natural ear. Because God is a? So where is he speaking? He's speaking in the? Amen. (laughs) Amen. God is speaking to us. So when God speaks to us, he speaks to us spirit to spirit. So when Jesus took sickness and disease on his body 2,000 years ago when he took stripes on his back. The Bible says he bore our sicknesses, he carried our diseases. That's what the word said, right? Now, when he got whipped, did he, did all of a sudden a cancer pop up on Jesus's body when he got whipped? No. Did he all of a sudden get a broken bone when he got whipped? No. In fact, the Bible says not one of his bones would be broken to fulfill prophecy. So, no, a bone didn't break. Did he get a liver or kidney or heart failure or brain damage or did he suffer a stroke in those moments that he was taking? No. But he took every he took all of that by the spirit, in the spirit. He fulfilled this you are healed because Jesus fulfilled some things in the spirit. So, if Jesus did this in the spirit, how are we going to receive it? By the spirit. Amen. By faith. In the spirit, we're going to receive it. So you know what? Uh, It would probably then be inappropriate for me to ask my body if I'm healed. Because my body's going to tell me what it feels. Are are y'all hearing today? Listen, I'm, I'm, I have started preaching now. So <laughs> I'm trying to help. I'm trying, and, and listen, if you have questions about this, don't, don't, uh, don't be afraid to ask. And don't feel silly. And even if you have the same questions over and over, don't be afraid. Because that's, sometimes that's how we work it out. 
We, we have to hear it over and over and over. You know how many times I had to hear this before it clicked with me? So see, healing, because Jesus did it by the Spirit, in the Spirit, healing starts in the Spirit. If you're going to receive a supernatural manifest, if you're going to receive God's healing touch. Now listen, listen to what I'm going to say. In the natural, in the natural, there are laws that God set in motion concerning healing. If you break a bone, how long it take to heal, Gil? I, thank you, Gil. Okay, yeah. So, in general, you break an arm. If you break your arm, in general, how long it take for a bone to heal? About six weeks, right? You know, six. Let's say between six and eight weeks. But usually, they say six weeks. Long enough. Long enough for the hair to grow out underneath that cast in a real ugly way. But uh, anyway, six weeks, uh, in six weeks. So in the natural, God set things in the mo into motion in the natural for us to just naturally heal. But then there's healing that comes through faith in the word of God. That's the healing that, see, money. God made it where you could earn money. You have earning potential. Then there's money that God gives you that you don't earn. That's the blessing of the Lord. So when we're talking about healing, there's, there's natural healing. Then there's divine healing. So how are you going to tap into divine healing? By faith. Divine, where does divine healing come from? It comes out of the spirit. From what Jesus paid in the spirit. When he took the stripes on his back. So how do we access that? By faith. We don't earn it. We receive it. Just like we receive salvation. <laughs> we, we receive it. We accept it. And so what would, what would normally take six weeks time is, is accomplished in a moment of time. It's accomplished instantly. Sometimes it's manifested instantly. But when we accept it, it's already, in, 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 uh, according to faith, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the title deed for those things that God says belong to us by the Spirit. Amen. Boy, I hope, am I explaining this good enough? I'm trying to explain it where a two-year-old could understand it. And I know, listen, I know Hilda... I know Hilda got up in here. Oh, listen, Hilda, she did a fantastic job teaching the basic principles of faith. So when you apply faith to something, you've gotten out of the natural, you've gotten into the spirit. And so when it comes to healing, you don't have to earn healing. You receive healing by faith in the word of God. Now healing, healing sometimes can come or miracles or any kind of blessing can come uh, as a result of a rhema word from God or a spoken word from God, not just from the written word, the logos, but a rhema word from God. For example, one time Brother Shambach was in a meeting and he said he witnessed a boy, the greatest miracle he said he ever witnessed in his entire ministry was when he was traveling with A.A. A. Allen back in the 50s and there was a baby that was healed of 26 major diseases. The baby was born without genitalia. The baby was born without uh, color in its eyes. His eyes were just plain 
milky white. Uh, his tongue stuck out of his mouth. His arms were drawn up. He had no feet. He just had clubs. 26 major diseases. Boy, I ought to just play you the video, man. But anyway, um, <laughs> but Shambach said he was teaching faith in the morning sessions. And he was talking to uh, the people uh, there. They would, back, back in the 50s, when they were putting up tents and having these healing revivals, um, they, they didn't just, you know, nowadays we just call for people, we minister, we lay hands on the sick and, and we, it just, everybody, if you're sick, come, we'll pray for you. But back then, they didn't just pray for everybody. They had so many people that were coming for prayer and there, there were so many miracles that were happening that you had to have a prayer card. In other words, they had to have a record that you were in attendance and then you had to come every night to the meeting because you didn't know when they'd call for your prayer card. Sometimes they'd call, you know, you, they'd give you a number. Sometimes they'd give you the, a color. And so they'd say, if you have a blue prayer card, come forward. You're going to receive prayer tonight if you have a blue prayer card, if you have a yellow prayer card. And so this woman had come with this son who had 26 major diseases. And she had been in the services the whole time. Trust in the Lord for a miracle for her son because Brother Allen operated in the gift of the working of miracles. And uh, Joe, will you, uh, or Tyler or somebody, look up the video of the monkey boy. Um, and we'll, 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 I think I'm going to play it tonight. But anyway, um, the monkey boy, A.A. Allen, the monkey boy. So Brother Shambach said he's teaching faith. Well, about three days into the, into the revival, this woman comes after the morning service and says, Brother Shambach, my son, you know, has 26 diseases. She, he, she tells him the story. He says, she said, I need my prayer card to be called. I need for Brother Allen to pray for my son. I believe the Lord told me that if Brother Allen would minister to my son, that he would receive his healing. And she said, I'm down to my last $20. We don't have any more food. We don't have, we don't have money to, to get a place to stay uh, the night. We have to leave after tonight's service. We don't have a choice. And so she told him, I'm, I'm, I'm down to my last 20. So Shambach told her, he said, listen, you come to church tonight. If they don't call your, if, coming under the tent, if they don't call your prayer card, he said, I will personally take your son back to Brother Allen's trailer and I will have Brother Allen lay his hands on him and pray for him in his trailer. But you will not leave here without receiving ministry for your son. We are going to believe God. For healing. She was like, all right. So she came back that night. Well, Brother Shambach said that there was something unusual about the service. It just seemed like there was, the presence of God was there in a, in a, in a unique way. And he said that uh, they, they were singing and they were playing. And Brother Allen came out of his trailer and came onto the platform um, uh, while they were doing worship at, at a time that he wouldn't normally come. And he thought it was unusual that Brother Allen had come to the platform. And so Brother Allen grabbed the microphone um, when they weren't done yet worshiping. And he said, listen, I was, just, I was just in the back there in my trailer preparing for tonight. He said, and the Lord spoke to me and he said that tonight, listen, this is what I'm going to say, because this is what, when you, when you don't have an understanding, when you don't hear all that I've told you so far, this is where it gets messed up in a lot of believers' minds. You're going you're to understand why I told you all that I told you. Brother, Brother Allen says, the Lord tells me that tonight we're going to receive a miracle offering. 
Now, you know what? The modern-day Christian, even back in the 50s, red flags start going off in Christians when a preacher talks about miracle offerings because all of a sudden in their minds, they think <clears throat> this is a gimmick. This is a, an attempt at extortion. Some people do. Other people, you know, their faith is high and they, you know, they don't care. But, but a lot of people, red flags start to go up. And so he said, he said, tonight the Lord told me, he said, whatever it is that you need from God, whatever it is that you need God to do for you, whatever miracle you need, tonight I want you to sow a seed for that miracle. And I want you to write down on your envelope or on your check or write it down, write down somewhere the miracle that you want God to do for you. Is anybody being helped yet by any of this here? Uh, listen, we're going to follow the Holy Ghost. You know why I believe God's having me to do this? Because y'all are about to step into, y'all are about to step into a miracle flow. Amen. You are. So he said, he said, write it down. And, and he said, and sow your seed tonight in faith and believe God. Well, Brother Shambach, you know, he was, you know, he was like, wow, you know, uh, that's, that, that is an unusual, you know, thing. He, that wasn't something Brother Allen did uh, ever. And he said, uh, before they could even pray over the offering, he said out of the corner of his eye, he saw some movement. He said he looked and it was that woman. And she walked up to, the, to an offering bucket. The ushers hadn't even gotten to the buckets to pass them out. And th there would be, you know, four or 5,000 people, 6,000 people underneath, sometimes 10,000 people underneath these tents. I don't know how many were in this revival, but there were thousands. And she, she got up there and she threw something in the basket. Well, you know what? Shambach remembered that she was down to her last $20. So he, he ran over there real fast before the ushers could get to the bucket. And he said at the bottom of that bucket was a $20 bill. He said in that moment, he said, I've been teaching these people faith. And that woman just exercised more faith than I could have mustered myself. Now, now let me tell you something. Was she paying for a miracle? No, listen, it's obedience to the word. See, that's, that's how you access the supernatural and you access the It's not, it wasn't a $20 offering. That $20 offering might have been the catalyst, the uh, 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 Oral Roberts used to call it a point of contact. But the seed was the word of God. The seed that she was sowing was obedience to do what the Lord had said to do in that offering. And he knew what, Shamrock knew what miracle was attached to that offering. He looked in there. He said he began to weep. He said, but the minute that woman threw that offering in there and the ushers began to receive that offering, that miracle offering, he said, Brother Allen said, I'm being caught up right now in the spirit. <laughs> he, says, I'm, he says, the Lord is showing me a vision. And every time the Lord would show him a vision, it was always the tent is getting, we're going to pick up the tent. We're moving to another community. So he thought, oh, dear God, we have to go back to work. We got to tear this thing down and haul it somewhere else. But he said, I'm seeing a vision. He said, he says, I'm, he says, I'm crossing over some state borders. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm crossing over to two or three. I can't remember what, yeah, how many states he said. And I'm, he says, I'm, I'm walking up to a building, a large white building. He said, there are men and women that are walking around. Uh, the men are in these white coats and these women have white hats on. He says, I'm at a hospital. He says, and I'm, I'm in and I'm going up to the, 
He says, I'm on the third floor. He says, and I hear babies crying. He says, I'm in the maternity ward. He says, I'm in a room and there are doctors and nurses standing over a child. And this baby has one, four, seven, twelve, twenty-six major diseases. I see a mother wrapping that baby in a blanket and putting her in the back of her car. I see that woman driving over two state lines. I see that car driving into the parking lot out here of this tent. He said, woman, you're under this tent tonight. You brought your baby. It has 26 major diseases, and God is going to give you your miracle tonight. Listen, Shambach said he jumped up and he, he began to wave that lady forward and that lady came forward with that baby with 26 major diseases. <laughs> brother, you just have to know how Brother Allen prayed for people. He would weep for them, man. He would, he would cry out to God. He just had this way about him. And he was a small, he was a small man. His frame was small. He was real thin. But Brother Shambach said he grabbed that baby and he said, everyone bow your head and close your eyes. He said, I wasn't about to bow my head and close my, he said, he said, normally he said, I'd listen to the man of God. He said, but I wanted to see this one. And so Brother Shambach said he kept an eye on Alan and an eye on that kid and watched him like a hawk as Brother Alan began to pace the platform with this kid wrapped in his arms. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, the first thing that happened was, maybe it was the first thing. Uh, I'll tell it in what, the order I remember it. But he said, the first thing that happened, he said, this kid's tongue was already sticking, protruding out of his mouth. He couldn't put his tongue in his mouth. But he said, all of a sudden, his tongue was like it was stretched out. And when it was like someone was pulling on it, when it was released, it just snapped right back into his mouth. At the same moment, he said he saw whirlpools in the center of his eyes begin to turn as God gave that kid brand new baby blue eyes and restored his sight. He said his limbs begin to pop and straighten out. He said, and where he had just clubs or nubs or stubs on the end of it, he said it, was, it looked like God was taking silly putty. Y'all remember silly putty? Like God was taking silly putty and forming feet. And by the end of this prayer, this kid had two brand new feet. And he said, and he was a boy because God gave him the parts to prove it. As God healed that kid of every disease that he had right in that moment. God gave him a miracle. God gave him a miracle. We, act, we access the supernatural the supernatural realm. We access that place where miracles work. That We access that by faith, not by feeling. You got to quit living by feeling. Your, your body will lie to you and say, God didn't do a thing for you. you. And your doctor will confirm it. Your doctor will validate it and give you a note for work. And write you a letter for, uh, so you can be on disability. Come on, somebody. And there's something appealing about that in our flesh. Isn't that right? 
And so our flesh will want to embrace that and want to move that because that's how we that's how we've lived. That's how we've learned to live. We've learned to live by sight, not by faith. We've learned to live by feelings, not by what the word of God says. We've learned to live by what we can see in the natural, not by what we see uh, in the spirit. And guess what? You go to the university. The university ain't going to teach you how to live by faith. <laughs> Listen, you go, go. You can go to Bible school and they're not going to teach you how to live by faith. I'm going to tell you right now, some of y'all been to a lot of churches in your life and you never heard none of this. Do you know why? Because there's a lot of preachers that don't understand that. Why, why, you, why you think they're in trouble all the time? Why do you think they're bummed out all the time? Why do you think they're burnt out? Why do you think they shut their churches down when COVID hit? It's not that I'm, listen, I'm not trying to say, oh, hey, man, I'm all better than that. No, listen, I've, I've, it's just God brought me, God brought me up different. And I thank God he did. And it was hard. I felt jilted. <laughs> I felt like God had uncommon expectations of me. <laughs> if you want to know about that, just listen to Sunday. <laughs> y'all get y'all get this? So in the natural. We can't, we can't receive those things that God had. These things are supernatural. They come, from, they come from the realm of faith. They come from the realm of the spirit. That's why that when we receive it in the spirit, that's when we open up the door for it to manifest in the natural. Amen. We first receive it in the spirit, and then it manifests in the natural. Where natural healing manifests in the natural. And you may or may not, you know, have, get a full recovery or whatever. But divine healing, heck, you might, you might, you might, you might go into a place of sickness or, or, or an injury or something. And um, typically people would lose X amount of, you know, mobility and, and only be at 98 or 78% or whatever. Heck, you get healed by God. He might up you to 120%. You might function better than when you were, you know what I'm saying? You know, Ronald Coyne, when he lost his eyeball and God gave him, God gave him 20-20 vision out of a, out of a glass eye. Hmm. But see, that's, that's, that's that supernatural. Now, why don't, why don't we have this more often, Pastor Zig? Well, because number one, people ain't teaching it. And the reason people aren't teaching it is because they're, they're most, for the most part, even Pentecostal spirit-filled churches, they've gotten away from it. You know why it's not popular? You, you know, I had a different relationship with my family before COVID. With my father, my mother, my sisters, my brother. You know, none of them are really uh, dedicated believers in Christ. And, it was, and everything was cool between us. Until there had to be a decision made of whether we were going to believe God or some little doctor in Washington, D.C. 
Now, I believe I believed what he said was right. I believed that there was a sickness, and it was, you know, and, and, and it was a nasty one. But then I remembered. He took a mark. Are you hearing me today? He took a mark. Glory to God. At the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess. Amen. Every knee will bow. Every, the Bible says every name that is named in the heaven and in the earth will bow to the lordship of Jesus. And COVID was a name. Amen. A name that would have to bow to the lordship of Jesus. So to me, it wasn't any different than cancer or, or, or the flu or a common cold. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. To me, we weren't safer at home. Because at home, we had time to listen to the other report. We had time to Google it. <laughs> I'll preach it, boy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But here's the thing. Now think about this. Here's what we want to do. So we want to take, we want to categorize things. We want things to be easy. So this woman sowed $20. Well, remember I said, whatever, if you sow potatoes, you get potatoes. It's potatoes, you sow, uh, you, you know what I'm saying. You sow apples, you get apples. You sow orange. Well, this woman, she sowed a seed of $20. That's what you'd think, but that's not really what she sowed. She sowed the word. God said a miracle offering. See, that, that means it, that you can't lie. You, this isn't natural. This is supernatural. And this, this is all something that ebbs and flows out of, out of, out of the spirit of God. It's not something that you can uh, just master because you have a set of rules. This isn't a game of Uno. And God definitely ain't playing like Eric Salazar. <laughs> yeah, I could tell the people that played with Eric Salazar. Everybody like, hey, man. <laughs> He's not even here to defend himself. <laughs> so that woman, that woman, she, she, she received a miracle. Her baby received a miracle. Do you know what else happened? Do you know what else happened in that meeting, Brandon? Shambach said that he got up and he tested, he had to testify. He was like, I just, you know how Shambach... I just want to testify that this woman was in the morning services. And, and he went on, he told the story. Well, while he's telling the story, these thousands of people get up, Gil, and they start throwing money at this woman's feet. You know what Shambach said? He said, in that, in that time that people gave money to this woman, she received more in that offering to her than A.A. A. Allen received for the entire week of the revival. Supernatural increase. Supernatural increase. You don't earn that. You don't earn that. Is this to earn anybody's faith at all? Glory to God. Glory to God. Listen, some of you need to lift up your hands and thank God that he's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Tene marabosa. Listen, take off the limits. Tear down the walls in the name of Jesus. All right. So that took much longer than I thought. Um, do you have any questions? Anybody have any questions? And then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit more here. Gil has a question. Boy, I must have exerted myself because I just closed a ring. So I really don't have a question. Oh, but, okay. Um, <laughs> um, first thing is, um, please invite me if you guys open the church anytime. <laughs> I want to come. Um, but I did not know. Um, I would have been here definitely. But so a testimony, not for me. <clears throat> um, so I have a friend. He's been to the church because I dragged him. I tricked him into coming. <laughs> And he is uh, dating somebody that doesn't believe in God. So I think he believes in God, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to fully immerse himself because of the person he's with. But anyways, that's another story. He, um, you guys know my, my testimony last week. And this was before that happened. I went to his house to talk to him and everything like that. And I'm always talking to him about God and stuff like that. And I said, can I pray with you before... I leave, I really feel like I need to pray with you. And I've ha I, he's been my friend since Florida when I was in the military. And um, uh, he lost a job. He's been trying to get a GS job like me because we both, we both served. And so he's trying to get a GS job. So I went to pray and I was like, I just need to pray and I just need you to be quiet and listen <clears throat> and just go with the flow. So I prayed and I said, God, you know, I'm believing I'm going to utilize my faith, Lord, because I know so-and-so loves you. I love you, and we're gonna, you're going to give him the job that he wants and that he deserves, Lord. We're not going to be worried about work for him. And, you know, I went <clears throat> on and on and about a couple things, and I just left it at that. He's like, he really was very appreciative of the prayer, and I left it at that, and I was like, you know, I feel like something's going to happen. And this was like last week, maybe Thursday. I, I don't know. It wasn't Thursday. It was Tuesday or something like that, Monday or Tuesday. And this morning I went to go pick up something in Edmond. And I was like, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm close to your house. Let me swing by and we can talk. Because he's like, oh, yeah, I got something to tell you anyways. So I talked to him and he's like, you did it. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, I got the job. You know, I thought he was talking about my job that I got. I did it. Yes, God, you know, he came through and I got the job that I wanted. He's like, no. He's like, I went to a, a meeting yesterday. I got four offers for GS positions. I accepted one of them. And I was like, first, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me tell you something real quick. I didn't do anything. We prayed to God. God did all of this for you just before we continue. I'm going to set that straight in a polite way. And he's like, okay, I understand that. And he's like, I got four offers. I accepted one of the positions. He got a sign-on bonus. He gets a GS position on Tinker Air Force Base, which he wanted, hours that he wanted, and everything that he wanted. And I was like, let's go, God. He's like, your faith worked. And I was like, this is God, bro. This has nothing to do with me. I have nothing. I am just 
a vessel. God said, pray. And I'm trying to tell you this. I've been trying to tell you that God's working in your life and he wants you. He wants to show you that he loves you. And um, he was like, you're right. I just, I don't know. And I'm like, you better figure it out because God's trying to talk to you. (laughs) He's blessing you. He's blessing you. And he's trying to show you how much he loves you. You better figure it out, brother, before it's too late. And he was like, I understand, I understand. Come but on. I just, you know, faith, you, you know, you're talking about faith. And I, uh, I've been experiencing a, a magnitude of faith, <clears throat> even like with supernatural increase with finances. And some things haven't come to fruition yet, but I'm still waiting. And I still have the faith. I've never had this much faith in my life. And that really was a testament to him and to me that, you know, like faith really works, not just in your life, but it can go and, you know, bless other people too. Like your faith is, if your faith is strong or if you even have a little bit of faith, you know, God can work, can work that faith for, for whatever, I guess, you know. I still don't understand it, but that's the testimony. Amen. Amen. Do you know faith never, faith never uh, obsesses over the manifestation. You, our, your joy or your contentment isn't dependent upon what, you're, what you put your faith on coming to pass or coming to fruition. That's the, that's the thing about faith is that faith, when you're really in faith and you're operating really in faith, in your, in your mind, in your heart, in, in every way, it's done. Whether if you say, what if you got a big old tumor on your neck or something sticking out and you got to look at it every day. When you're in faith, it don't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it looks like. I mean, literally, you're, it's done. It's done. Um, I think I told you all about that plantar fasciitis. That's probably the thing I fought for the longest, maybe three years. And man, that was a battle. You wouldn't think it'd be such a battle, but it was a battle because here I am standing up saying, thank you, Lord, for healing, receiving what the word of God says. And honestly, was I in faith right at the beginning? Probably not. I believed, but faith and believing are two different things. Faith is a spiritual commodity. Faith isn't a condition of the mind. It's not an exercise of the mind. Faith is a state of being in the spirit. And once you get over there in the spirit in faith, and then you let, your, you let everything else, your flesh, your, your soul, everything camp at that place of faith in the spirit, it's settled. It's already done. And, and so, uh, I, yeah, I felt pain. But when I'd feel the pain, I'd be like, thank you, Lord, for healing. Lord, I thank you that I'm better. I thank you, Lord, for health and wholeness. I thank you, Father, that this thing has had to obey you and obey your word and come, to, come into line. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But you know what? I wasn't like, I wonder when this is going to happen. But it's already done. It's already done. And when we get over there, if this, if, when is this going to happen? Then we've gotten over there in a place that... Uh, um, we're not, in, we're not really in faith. We're working it out. Don't, don't think you haven't gotten anywhere. You have to go through that place to get over to the... It's like to get, to get, out, to get out on the Northwest Expressway, it necessitates us driving on this road here, whatever it is. I don't remember what it is. But whatever this road is right here, uh, this side road, 
If you're going to get on the expressway, you have to go down that road. If you're going to get in faith, you got to go down that road of, eh, wonder when it's going to happen. You have to go down. It's a, it's a necessary thing. It's a part of the process. But don't stay on that road. Because that's not where the answer is. The answer is over there where your faith is taking you. Amen. Thank God. Listen, don't ever, don't ever be, don't ever be afraid, and don't ever feel like that, uh, or ashamed that you're not seeing a manifestation of something. Listen, I never felt any shame all the days I stood up in front of you guys and preached and limped around, and y'all watched me and came to me after church and said, "Pastor, are you all right?" Yeah, I'm all right. Well, I just noticed you were limping. Yeah, I'm. And what would I tell y'all? I'm fighting plantar, fa plantar fasciitis. Because that's exactly what I wasn't like. Well, my plantar, my plantar fasciitis is it like it's a pet? It wasn't mine. That's why I never accepted it. Jesus took it so I wouldn't have to take it. He bore it so I wouldn't have to bear it. Amen. It wasn't mine. It never was mine. I wouldn't receive. When when the guy told me you have plantar fasciitis, I said, Well, that's what's trying to work, but it ain't mine. It doesn't belong to me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so, you know, that's how you, that's how you address those things. You, you address them in that way. I'm, you know, someone says, well, you have arthritis. No, you know, you don't go and tell people, yeah, my arthritis, my diabetes. <laughs> like, what, you got a dog called diabetes or what? Uh, <laughs> you really going to entertain that thing? I'm not going to entertain it. Uh, so in the same way for finance. Your, your bank account, your checkbook try to tell you you're broke. I've got news for you. There's nobody in this room that's broke. Some of you don't have money in the bank, but you are not broke. Your daddy owns a cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold and all the silver belongs to him. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Glory to God. If, if he's loaded, guess what? You're loaded. Amen. It's true. It's true. And so whenever we start working that in that, in that realm of super, and that's, that's the greatest battle, is taking and shifting your mindset and shifting your thinking to facilitate what the word of God says instead of all that we've, you know, uh, 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 Historically, traditionally, or whatever, we have looked at our checkbook and allowed our money to. <laughs> Some of you don't know that you, you, you let your money tell you what you're going to do, where you're going to go, where you're going to live, how you're going to dress, what you're going to eat. You say, hey, what are we having for dinner? Well, let me check the account. You know what you're waiting on? You're waiting on your money to tell you what you're going to do. I don't let my money tell me what I'm going to do. I'm just letting it sit in just for a second. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not saying you go out and you spend money you don't have in, the, you know, in, the, in, in your account. Aunt Pastor Annie and I, when we were, um, we were first married, of course, we just moved from apartment to apartment for a while. And uh, I didn't have much of a revelation on what the word said. But I found out that the Bible made provision for houses. And so I was like, okay. 
just like everything, we just worked our faith. So on purpose, we, we, we decided, you know, some, sometimes people want to relegate you based on your, uh, you know, b- being Hispanic. I don't know if you all know this or not, but uh, they were, it was, this was years ago. I'm not sure what it is now. But um, people that were uh, the, the ethnic groups that were, uh, they posted who is the largest ethnic groups that are, uh, how, how do we say it? Um, they categorized who was on welfare by ethnic groups. And the largest recipients of welfare was Puerto Ricans. I was like, well, that sucks. Because I'm half Puerto Rican. And then it was blacks. And then who came in third? Mexicans. I was on the list twice. Three times, really. Because I'm Puerto Rican, but I'm in that black side of Puerto Rican. So, so I, I, looked, I looked at that, you know. And and in the and in the natural, you know, Jews. When you talk about Jews, they have a different reputation than Mexicans. Right? I tell the truth. (laughs) So in the natural, already in the natural, people want to relegate you. I I remember. Uh, I, we, we had bought, I'd bought a Mercedes Benz. I can't remember what model it was. Anyway, it's not important. And it, it wasn't, uh, listen, if I buy a car, I buy it because I want it, not for, not because it makes me feel like I'm a better person. If I want, if I want something, if I, if I can have it, I just get it. I, I'm like, I, I ain't going to heaven in it. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here on the earth. Like that, like that Tesla, that Tesla's being driven every day. I mean, every, I am extracting every ounce of what it can give me nearly every day. I'm putting it to the test. Uh, when, when someone else gets it, I hope it's still good. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, we had bought a Mercedes once, and I took my mom to Bricktown. We were going to have a dinner, and we all, you know, I think it was my, myself, Annie, and my mother. I can't remember who else went with us. There's a couple other people went with us. We got out of the car, and there was a group of people that were walking by, and as they walked by, as we got out, they said, did you see what kind of car those Mexicans just got out of? My mother, who is not Mexican, she's Puerto Rican. Thank God she didn't hear her real clear. Because if she'd have heard that lady, she'd have slapped her in the next Tuesday. But, but uh, when I, we finally told her later what she said, she, she was looking around for her. Like, where's that woman at? I can't believe. And, and you know what she's mad about? She's like, I'm not Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's what you're mad about, mom? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but they want, people want to relegate you to, amen. And it's not, just, it's not just minorities. There's some of y'all that are white. They want to put you over in the white trailer trash, you know. Uh, south, you know oh, you from the south side. I know you ain't from Edmond. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They try, they're trying to put you over there like you're, like you're second class or something. And the enemy, he'll try to do that to you. So you know how you fight that? You break out. Because you're the only one. Listen, nobody's going to open up the door for you to let you out of that wrong mindset. So you know what Annie and I did? We went, we, would, we, we went to look at houses. 
And instead of looking at houses that we could, in the natural, that we could afford in the natural, we went to looking at houses that we wanted. Well, you know, the houses that we wanted were a whole lot more than the houses that we could afford. So, you know, there's doctors and lawyers and, and, and you know, uh, uh, people of different status in these neighborhoods. And I remember we went and looked at one house. It's probably a uh, 4,500 4, square feet. It was like a three-story. Um, <laughs> it was uh, over in that neighborhood off of May, uh, uh, back there where they have the lake and whatnot. I can't remember the neighborhood. But anyway, it's a you know, rather fancy neighborhood. And uh, we went in. <laughs> we pulled up. We pulled up. <laughs> What's crazy is I took no thought. It didn't, it didn't matter to me. I, didn't, I wasn't focused on what it looked like I had. I mean, I was, I was working my faith. I, I think we probably pulled up in a Honda Civic hatchback and it probably probably clicked you know like a roller coaster going up the hill uh, the CV joints were probably every Honda we had had bad CV joints because you know we got them at 90,000 miles so we, we walked into that place and that realtor was like, well, I'm so glad to have you open house. She's given us papers. She's like, you know, we just came on the market. And, uh, uh, but you know, this, our, 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 we didn't even know what this stuff meant. We'd never heard these terms. We, this seller's very motivated to move this house. And we didn't know that meant that it was negotiable. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know nothing. We're like, that's wonderful. I don't know why you're telling us this, but that's great. <laughs> So we said, well, we're going to look around. She said, let me show you. And she began to show us around. Annie, the whole time, I barely, I could barely get her out of the car. Listen, a poverty mindset is, it's, it's a bondage that it'll get a grip on you, almost paralyze you. She could barely, I, I, I made her get out of the car. I felt bad about it. Because she's like, I can't believe you're making me do this. Anybody ever been told that? I can't believe you're making me do this. You're making me, I am not comfortable at all with this. I'm like, it's all right. She's like, you know good and well. I'm like, I know what I know. And we walked through there. And of course, she was very sweet and very quiet while the realtor was there. But as soon as that realtor would walk away, she's like, we need to go, Zig. We need, did you see what this house costs? Did you look at the, did you look at the paper? Did you look at this paper? I think, and honestly, at the time, I mean, I think about it now, it's not, it's not really that much, but I think at the time it was a 400 or 500,000, half a million dollars, something like that. It wasn't just a, a, an exorbitant amount. Maybe for some of you to, here today, it might be. For us at that time, it might as well have been $10 billion. We didn't even have rent that month. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm touching stuff. She's like, don't touch it. I'm messing with fixtures. I'm asking about bathrooms. How many bathrooms you got? And then, you know, she walk away. She's like, what do you care about bathrooms? We're never going to live it. You know, she, she just doesn't know how to process this, Annie. You know, she's really having a hard time. And so the lady comes up. Uh, there was shag carpet in the top. You know, it was an older home. It was kind of ugly shag carpet. And I'm talking like I said, yeah, we'd have to renovate up here. And he's looking at me like, are you on crack? 
I said, but you know, we could turn this into this. I mean, I'm talking like, I'm talking like we're moving in next week. And, and the realtor's like, sounds like you want to make an offer. I said, well, right now our money is tied up in other places. I said, but it's about to be loosed. And when it is, you know, if it comes in time, we might, we might be back here putting an offer on this house. We get in the car, and he's like, you know, good and well, we don't have no money come. I'm like, no, you know, the, the, the Bible makes provision. Listen, I'm going to tell you this secret. If you can't dream it, you can't have it. If you can't dream it, you can't have it. So you know what you got to do? You got to start in that dream Eventually, you started dreaming, didn't you, baby? Amen. But it took a while because we was brought up in poverty. We wasn't brought up in prosperity. Our parents was broke. Heck, I couldn't, I, was, I could barely get 20 cents out of my dad for kiss cards. Nobody remembers kiss cards. Anyhow, I collected kiss cards. <laughs> 20 cents. I'd be like, Daddy, can I have 20 cents for kiss cards? You think I was acting, asking for the moon? Every now and again, he'd pull out 40 cents or something, hand it to me like, it, like I was draining him of his. You, you see him bring his offerings up in his church? He bring in $20, act like he's blessed us with $10 million. <laughs> I love you, Pop. I know you listen to me. I'm just playing. <laughs> you know he's going to hear this. He's going to listen. <laughs> we love you, Pop. We will, you need it. You need to come back. We need your offering, Pop. <laughs> I'm just laying. <laughs> uh, but uh, those, are the, those are the things that we've got to, uh, the first thing that has to change is your mind. And what you want to change your mind is, what you want to use to change your mind is the word, the word of God. So I'm already, I'm already way out of time. So, uh, if you have any other questions, I'll answer them. I know I didn't read you any scriptures, but I quoted plenty. So you wrote them down, right? Did you? Did you? Did, did we flash any of them up here? We didn't. Monkey Boy video. We're not going to get to. Um, look it up. You guys see that Monkey Boy video? God. Well, it, it needs some explaining before you can really get excited about it. So uh, maybe next. Maybe next week we can check out some of that. But anyway, um, let your confession be. Uh, write, write these scriptures down. Deuteronomy. Um, glory to God. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter. Now, you know what? Um, yeah, Deuteronomy 8. 1. All the commandments which I command you this day. 8. 1. All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do that you may live, multiply, go in and possess the land that the Lord swear to your fathers. Deuteronomy 8.18, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto your fathers, as it is this day. Um, you just write the address down. You don't have to write all that down. But Joshua 1.8, uh, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Amen. Those scriptures are scriptures you need to quote on the regular. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. 
if you're willing and obedient. Willingness and obedience don't live on the same street as poor and broke. <laughs> Psalm, um, uh, amen. Psalm chapter uh, 35, verse 27. There's, there's several others in there, but Psalm chapter 35, verse 27. Let them shout for joy who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his people. God is pleased when his people prosper. Amen. Um, there are several in Proverbs, but I'll give you a John 10, 10, because I don't remember the address to the ones in Proverbs. Um, and I'll give, you, I'll, give, I'll give all of them to you later, but uh, John 10, 10, uh, the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Third John. Chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 3, I believe it is, it says, uh, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So uh, let your mind be renewed with these things and work them aggressively. Listen, you're not, we're, not trying to, we're not trying to manipulate God into doing anything. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get ourselves aligned aligned with heaven so that we can facilitate these things. That's what we're doing. <clears throat> God doesn't need to be moved. He is the Lord. He changes not. That's right. What's happening is an alignment on our part so we can facilitate all that he does. Now you say, will God, uh, will God bless us anyhow, even if we don't? In a measure, uh, he really will. I'm going to tell you something. Some of y'all, God's going to bless you because you need help. He's going to rescue you because you need it. But that's not how we want to live. We don't want to live, we don't want to live from crisis to crisis. We want to live from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We want to go from mountaintop to mountaintop. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't it better to live from mountaintop to mountaintop than valley to valley? Glory to God. And so uh, he's, he's, he loves us. His grace is sufficient. Uh, all these things... Uh, he's made provision for, including bailing us out when we do stupid stuff. Uh, he's just a wonderful, loving, gracious God. Any, any, other, any other questions? I'm, I'm really surprised. Most of the time, people have questions or they have questions rolling around in them. And Shiver, Yes, Anna? Uh, Wait for the microphone. <laughs> um, you said that the body was the... Body is feeling, soul is reasoning, and I didn't get the spirit. Your spirit, uh, the, the uh, voice of your spirit is what people call your subconscious. Um, or that the innermost part of your being. Your subconscious uh, is that, uh, that place in your, some people, well, Jesus said it. He said, out of your belly or out of the innermost part of your being. He called it your belly because it's that deep. Um, that's your spirit. And we, we have, we have uh, lost touch with our, who we really are. We are spirits. We have souls and we live in bodies. So you are a spiritual. When God created man, the Bible says he breathed breath in the nostrils of man and man became a living soul. 
But when you look up the, the translation of that verse of scripture, it doesn't really say that we became a living soul. It says this, we became another speaking spirit. In other words, you know, what did, what did Paul tell the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? He said, he said uh, now concerning uh, spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You, were, you know that you were Gentile, Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, these mute idols, even as you were led. In other words, you served a bunch of gods that didn't talk. What, what, what Paul was saying was, now you serve the talking God. Amen. You know, that's the only thing that makes our God different than a false God is our God talks. Not only does he talk, he does what he says. Amen. God's word is the Bible. There's nothing greater than the word of God. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. His word will never pass away. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. And so, um, you know, God uh, created us and he created us in his image. So we became speaking spirits like God is a speaking spirit with creativity in our words, with the ability to say, and it happened. And so we became another speaking, uh, another speaking spirit. But because we've lost touch with the fact that we're a spirit, so what is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul isn't saved. Like, you know, some people say, man, we want a bunch of souls. And we use that term loosely. But um, your soul isn't really saved. The Bible says that we receive with meekness in James the engrafted word, which is able to save our soul. So uh, we, when we renew our minds, when we get in the word of God, it helps us in the areas of our soul where we're afflicted, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a physical body. So the voice of your body is feelings. The voice of your soul is reasoning. And the voice of your spirit is that uh, still small voice, that, that uh, divine compulsion, that, 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 that you, you know what I'm talking about. The, your knower, knowing in your knower. <laughs> it's, it's hard to, you know, to, to give a real good description, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Don. So would you say you're, you're, when you're saved, your spirit is saved, and then it's your soul that is sanctified through the process yes. of uh, the working of the Holy Spirit? Yes, sir. And that's, that is the process of sanctification, is that we're, we're dying to our flesh. When, when, we're, when the Bible tells us to die to our flesh, that we're to... Uh, crucify the flesh with its effects. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about your soul. Your spirit received transfer. You're, you're as good as, you, in your spirit, you're as good as you're ever going to get. You're not going to be holy. You are holy. Your spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is one with your spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit don't convict you? And some of you are like, man, the spirit really convicted me. It's not the Holy Spirit that convicts you no more. He convicted you one time. And that was when you got born again. After that, when you do stupid stuff, it's your own spirit that tells off on you. Because your own spirit is now created in the image of God. Is your, your own spirit is one with the Holy Spirit. It's your own human spirit that tells you, ah, ah, ah. Before Jesus, you couldn't trust your spirit. <laughs> After Jesus, you can because you're, you're, you're a child of God. Your, your spirit's one with the Holy Spirit. So... Uh, you're holy there, but the process of sanctification, or what you know, Don said, 
We're becoming uh, sanctified in our soul as we renew our mind, as we crucify the flesh, as we overcome things that afflict us in the realm of our soul. Uh, we want, we, sometimes we want to drag that. The singles, we were, they were asking me about soul ties. <laughs> um, <I'm, laughs> it wasn't a stupid question. It was a great question because in churches you hear people talk about soul ties. I'm going to tell you something. That is, and I hope, I, I'm probably about to shoot someone's sacred cow right now, but you will not find soul ties in the Bible. It's not scriptural. There is nothing that can control you spiritually. when you allow God to be in control. Amen. Now, can something mess with you in the realm of your soul, which is some people say soul ties? Uh, well, not a person. There's, someone's spirit doesn't attach itself to you and you carry around someone's spirit. That's not a, that's not a, it's not a biblical concept. It's not a biblical concept. It's tough for the devil to get a hold of many of y'all. And it, it really is. Some of you that are, you know, that wrestle with demons... You know, it took, the, the enemy had to really work hard to get to that place in your life because that's not easy for a Christian to be ruled by an evil spirit or to, you know, be turned by a devil. You really have to, you really have to open up some stuff and really accept some things that aren't in that book. But and don't get, don't, don't, because some of you are going to start, your mind's going to race and you'll be like, eh. Now don't go there. Don't do that. Don't do that. But, but really, it's your soul. It's your soul that the enemy likes to mess with. He likes to oppress you, afflict you in those areas of your soul, those places where you're carrying around hurt feelings, uh, emotions that, that were uh, injured uh, in some kind of abuse. Or, you know, that's not even, you know, if some people say, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a survivor of abuse. No, that's that old man. The one that doesn't exist. Now, you're still carrying the memories and some of the hurts. And those are the things that we overcome by the word and by the spirit. But, uh, and that's a process. But you, you have to learn how to develop your spiritual ear. So how you do that? Well, by feeding your spirit instead of your soul. Feeding your spirit instead of your body. That's why we fast. You know, fasting is something that we do to put our flesh under. Our flesh is like, I'm hungry. And you're like, shut up. You're going to do what I tell you to do, bless God. I'm in charge. And that's hard, especially when you're a big dude like me. Because, man, the minute you say, I'm going to go on a fast, you're like, you can see the red light. You're, we're not even close to Krispy Kreme. But if I say I'm on a fast today, I can almost see the little glow of the red in the corner of my eye. And it's clear over on pen. You understand? <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, is that it? Any other questions? We good? Well, I sure love you guys. Did you receive something today? Does this help you? Praise the Lord. Well, Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the anointing. Lord, we're grateful for all that you're helping us with. And Lord, uh, we're going to continue to walk with you and walk it out in Jesus' name. We're, we're, <laughs> we're entertaining you here, Father. And uh, we just want you to be glorified and to be magnified for you to be exalted in Jesus' name, Lord. So go with us as we go. Touch through us, God, everywhere that we step. Uh, let your spirit work through us. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Lord. Everybody that believed it said amen. Amen. All right, listen, I love you guys. I appreciate you. Outreach on Friday. I believe it's a...
No, leadership. That's right. We're leadership in Shawnee. If you'd like to come to Shawnee, <clears throat> if you'd like to come to Shawnee on Friday night, I'm teaching on leadership. I'm teaching their leaders out there. If you, you know, if you're wanting to be a, a leader, you hope to be a leader, you feel like God's called you to be a leader, you might want to come. I think on Friday, I'll probably talk about uh, spiritual authority, what it is, what it's not, why it's important, um, how it works, you know, how those things work, uh, the order, the order of the kingdom and, um, why it's important for us to understand it. And, um, and then, uh, so Friday at seven and then Saturday at 10, we're back there at 10 in the morning for the second session. And I think in the second session, we're going to talk about uh, creating a, uh, an environment or uh, developing a culture in your family, in your life to facilitate, uh, what God, uh, has for you in, in, in leadership. Um, and then, uh, one, one o'clock Bailey is going to be baptized and, uh, That'll be happening at the Salazars. So if you, I would encourage you, even if you're not being baptized, to go. And if you choose to get baptized while you're there, might be a good time to uh, uh, get submerged. Amen. But, um, but I'm, gonna, I won't, I'm not going to get to be there, Bailey, unfortunately. But um, I'm so happy that it's happening. And so it'll be 1 o'clock uh, there. And then, of course, Sunday. I'll see you guys for sure Sunday morning. Uh, I'll be here Sunday morning, and uh, we're looking for God to do great things here at Winter's Church. Listen, go in his presence. Before you leave, love someone because you do. I will see you guys back here sometime this week in Jesus' name.